Next on PIJN News, Dr. Chaps reports on these important issues. Homeschooling and how it is changing world history. Today we have Kevin Swanson, part three. We're gonna talk about the spiritual, the social, and the historic reasons that you should homeschool your kids. Former Navy Chaplain Gordon James Klingenschmidt took a stand to defend religious freedom by daring to pray publicly in Jesus' name. Now he helps you by reporting the news, discerning the spirits, and praying the scriptures. Would you pray with us? Here's Dr. Chaps. God bless you in Jesus' name. My name is Chaplain Gordon James Klingenschmidt, Dr. Chaps, and you're watching PIJN News. Today we have part three of our live interview in studio with Kevin Swanson, Director of Christian Home Educators of Colorado. Uh, welcome back to the program, Kevin. Thank you. You are a father of five homeschooled kids. Uh, you're a middle child of six brothers and sisters. All of them are homeschooled by your parents who were missionaries and they've been doing this since the 1960s. Yes. Uh, and this is part three. In our previous two shows, we talked about the academic reasons mm -hmm. that homeschooled children perform better, mm -hmm. not just on ACT and SAT, but in college acceptance rates, in, in um, uh, GPA, their freshman year of college. Mm -hmm. These kids are smarter yes. than the average public school student. Mm -hmm. And we talked about why that is. Uh, but then we began to talk about worldview, and yes. you, you think the moral foundations are more important than even the academic ones. I do, I do. I think the beginning of wisdom is the fear of God, and that's of course, uh, comes from Proverbs 1 and verse 7. Let's remember that there is a foundation for learning, and if we jettison that foundation, if we begin to build the house on the sand, if we begin to build education upon the sand, I think we're gonna to start to see what we're seeing in America, and that is a breakdown of the academics, a breakdown of, of education, and a breakdown of a, of a culture. What, what do you find but the millennial generation is having more children out of wedlock than any other generation. 57% of kids born to millennial women under 30 years of age are born outside of wedlock. That's up from 4% in 1950. So you know, you're seeing the total dissolution of the family, you're seeing the, the breakdown of character. According to the front page of Time Magazine about two years ago, you remember the millennial generation, the most narcissistic, the laziest, the, the unluckiest generation ever in American history. All of this is bad news. And I think a lot of it is tied into the fact that the millennial generation is far, far more likely to be liberal, far more likely to believe in homosexual marriage, far more likely to believe in evolution, far more likely to be socialist and believe in big government than all the other previous generations. And you think there's a connection to the reasons that nationally our science scores, our technology, engineering, and mathematics scores, and people going into that career fields are on the decline compared to other nations. Well, yeah. It's tied to their morality. Oh, I think so, I think so. Well, the schools today, the public schools today are very good at politically correctness. You agree with that? Sure. I mean, they're politically correct. That's what they're all about. They're just trying to get a politically correct agenda through that has nothing to do with God's word and God's ethics and God's law. It's just man's law. It's just humanism. It's materialism. It's evolution. It's an agenda that has nothing to do with true knowledge. Well, what, what's happening? Well, we have kids who are very politically correct and very dumb. At the same time, these are the graduates coming out of our schools today. Well. 
you know, liberal arts education isn't what it used to be. It used to be, you know, you'd study the classics, you'd study literature. Now a liberal arts education is just liberal political correctness, as you say. Well, I think the thing that we, we've lost as a nation is Proverbs 1-7. It is the most basic. We've talked about all these powerful principles that tie into the education of a child. Character is preeminent. One-on-one instruction is powerful. Uh, that relationship-based learning is so absolutely essential to, to the success of the education of a child. The principle of individuality, that is tailor-making the education to each child, very important. But the most important principle in the education of a child from God's Word, from Proverbs, and Proverbs is God's book on wisdom. Proverbs is God's word uh, to how to educate a child in wisdom, instruction, education, knowledge. Well, what does it say in Proverbs 1-7? The most important verse on knowledge is the beginning of knowledge is the fear of God. The beginning of knowledge or wisdom is the fear of God. There, there's a test that you want to talk about if people, and parents, God bless them, they have two choices. They can take responsibility to educate their children or they can delegate the education of their children. Sure. What is what are the two prongs of this you, test? You know, my recommendation is that parents consider homeschooling first. I just think, you know, that's basic. That's what we find in Deuteronomy 6-7. That's what we find in Ephesians 6-4. God's, that's what we find in the book of Proverbs. God's always talking to fathers and mothers. Always talking to fathers, mothers. Bring your children up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. See, that's basic. So parents, you're basic. You're essential. Now, the socialists don't think so but God does. So parents, you're basic. But there's a, a bit of delegation that does happen in the education of a child. So if you're gonna delegate the education of a child to a school or to something like that, then you might ask two questions. This is the big test. First question, you walk in to the office and you say, are you in the business of giving knowledge, wisdom, or understanding to a young man or a young woman? If they say, no, we just changed tires here, they're probably not a school. Right. Right. So what's the second question? They say, yes, we're about giving wisdom, knowledge, and understanding to a young man or young woman. They say, yes, we're about that. What's the second question you ask? Most basic question you can ask is this. What do you teach as the foundation of all wisdom, knowledge, and understanding in this educational establishment? And if they say, well, we believe the foundation of all wisdom and knowledge is the mind of man or a condom, leave. It's the wrong answer. <laughs> In other words, if they're distributing free sex ed to, to your yeah, kids. Yeah, yeah. If, that, if the beginning of wisdom and knowledge is whatever outside of the fear of God, you get out of there. Right. You get out of there. Absolutely. You run as fast as you can. Why? Because God's word is wisdom. And the book of Proverbs gives you the key to the education of a young man or young woman in the business of knowledge and wisdom. And what does it say? The beginning of wisdom is the fear of God. Yeah. Don't you dare leave home without it. Well, that's an important test. We want to talk now about the, in fact, we're going to take a short break. But when we come back, we're going to talk about the spiritual the social and the historic reasons that parents ought to be homeschooling their kids instead of delegating it to those ungodly worldviews that may be influencing them in the wrong direction. This is PIJN News, defending your religious freedom. Dr. Chaps will be right back. How is your marriage doing? Ladies, would you like to learn how to get your husband to love you the way Christ loves the church? Men. 
would you like your wife to show proper respect? You know, there's a Bible way to have a godly marriage. I'm not saying I'm the expert, but we interview in a four-part video teaching series, a marriage and family ministry expert, Vince Dacchioli. And we go through the scriptures in four different parts. Part one is God's design for man and woman. Part two is godly roles for husband and wife. Three is sex and intimacy within godly marriage. And also God's plan for divorce. You wanna have this important four-part video series available for a suggested donation of $30 if you call our toll-free prayer line at 866-Obey-God. Again, that's 866-O-B-E-Y-G-O-D. Or visit our website, PrayInJesusName.org. Did you know religious freedom is under fire in our military today? Our troops do not have protection. For example, military chapels are now being desecrated by homosexual wedding ceremonies on bases in all 50 states. Our troops are now also faced punishment if they dare to object to sharing common sleeping quarters or common shower facilities, or if chaplains dare to quote the Bible during private counseling that declares that homosexuality is a sin. Nobody in our military should be forced to violate their Christian conscience, especially their right to pray publicly in Jesus' name. Let's take action today for religious freedom. Would you sign a petition with me? Visit PrayInJesusName.org. Again, that's PrayInJesusName.org. Let's defend religious freedom for our troops. Take action today. Dr. Chaps needs you to sign today's petition right now. Again, visit PrayInJesusName.org to sign our petition right now. Empowering you, the grassroots activist. Here is Dr. Chaps. Welcome back, I'm Dr. Chaps. We're in part three of our study of homeschooling, joined again by Kevin Swanson, Director of Christian Home Educators of Colorado. And this whole idea of worldview is already happening in parents who choose to publicly school their kids. But what's the number of hours uh, comparison and, and how much spiritual education do they get? Well, I think that's the question that every parent needs to ask. They need to, okay, we're Christians. How many hours are we inculcating a Christian worldview into our children versus a humanist worldview or a materialistic worldview or an anti-supernatural worldview? Uh, we need to be honest with ourselves. Now, if, if, if a parent is a Muslim and they're giving their kids a Muslim education, I think we understand that. Now, we would like them to re-examine their worldview, their religion. But if you've got a parent that's a Christian and has given his kids 30 hours of a Muslim worldview in a week, or 30 hours of a humanist worldview in which man is at the center, in which you know we are cosmic dust, it's all nat naturalism, there is no God, there is no God involved in our lives, there's no God's law as the standard of ethics, uh, then what is happening here? We're giving our kids 30 hours of humanism and maybe one hour of Sunday school every week. Which side is going to win? Why is it that 80% of millennials are leaving the church according to Southern Baptists? And, and why is it that George Barna found that only a half a percent of Mosaic kids as 18 to 26 year olds actually believe in a biblical worldview down from 13% from the parents' generation? A 97% apostasy rate for the mosaics. Why is it that most of our Christian kids raised in Christian families are walking away from the faith? Could it be that we're giving them 30 hours 
of the wrong worldview, the wrong perspective of life, and only one hour of the Christian worldview in any given week? See, that's the question I think we need to ask homeschool parents, Christian school parents, public school parents, and it's not just the influence of the textbooks. It's the influence of pop culture. They're getting well, television. And a, and They're a getting home, Lady Gaga. But a homeschooled child might have the other way around. They might have 30 hours per week of Christian education by the parent one-on-one -on -one in the house and maybe two hours of television a week that are influenced by a, a humanist worldview mm -hmm. that would, you know. We were hoping that they'd be able to discern It'd be the opposite we ratio. We were hoping that they'd be equipped to handle a few counter worldviews. But you gotta be careful. I think we're to preserve our kids, right? We're to protect them a bit. Jesus said you gotta protect them. You gotta shelter your kids. It, it would be better that a millstone be hanged around your neck if be drowned at the bottom of the sea. If you're, if you're stumbling them, yeah. if you're giving them the wrong worldview for hours upon hours upon hours every week. So we as parents need to be cautious. I think we just need to ask ourselves the question, <clears throat> which worldview are we giving to our kids throughout the week? And that leads into the spiritual reasons for homeschooling. What are the benefits really quick? Well, you know what? The number one benefit of home education, from my perspective, is that we can fulfill the Deuteronomy 6-7 mandate, the Ephesians 6-4 mandate. And what is, what is the Word of God actually tells us to do? What, is, what does God want us to do with our kids? You ever ask yourself that question? Well, it turns out Deuteronomy 6-7 says, teach your children my words as you sit in the house, as you walk by the way, as you rise up, as you lie down. May it be as a frontlet between your, their eyes. And, you know, put it on the walls, put it on the pillars, put it all around them so that they never put in a position where they can be in a godless school. They're, they're in a godless situation for hours upon hours. In other words, if they're doing their history, God needs to show up in the history class. If they're doing science, God needs to show up in the science class. If they're doing literature, God needs to show up in the literature class. If they're going to watch a movie, God needs to show up as they watch the movie. God's word needs to be as, as a sign that just hangs in front of them. The Jews actually had a Bible verse they would hang right in front of their forehead as a, a means of trying to you know, express this concept. But really, it's the integration of God's word into every aspect of our children's lives. See, that's what we want. That's what we want in the, in the raising of our kids. And I think we lose that in the modern world. So you have some slides on spiritual reasons. Let's, I want to make sure you go through them. Through those. Spiritual reasons for the education of our children. There's the verse that we talked about. You shall diligently teach your children my words as you sit in the house, as you walk by the way, as you rise up, as you lie down. Uh, boy, that is so essential for the education of our children. I think people tend to ignore these, these verses, but just integrating God's word and, and permeating God's word into every part of our children's lives, that opportunity does not exist in public schools these days. Now, at one point, you could pray. You could acknowledge God. You could give God a little credit for, for creating the world and the, 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 the beauty of the human cell and the, the amazing intricacy and the, the magnificence of, of the galaxies. You know, you could actually give God a little credit for that. You could do that 40, 50 years ago. Can't do that anymore. Right. right. Um, so I really encourage this um, integration of God's word, but also the integration of a parent's influence. See, that verse, the Bible speaks of not just integrating God's word, but integrating the parent into the education and discipleship process of that child's life. There are also and, many historical reasons for uh, 
choosing to homeschool your oh, kids. Yes. You, oh, I yes. want you to get so through some get of these through ideas. Some of this as well. Homeschooling uh, dates back from the beginning of time. You know, you find it in just about every major biography of of important leaders. Uh, it's only been that last hundred years or so that uh, we've seen this institutionalized form. You know, America became those powerful nation on earth on the backs of one-room schoolhouses and home schools. Did you know that? And then the experts showed up to fix it. <laughs> and then you're what's talking, happened? You're talking about John Dewey. Well, John Dewey, yeah. Right. John Dewey and the major centralized forms of education that have eventually produced some of the worst educated kids in the history of this country. Wow. Think about that for a moment. The greatest educational program on earth produced the, the most powerful, most successful, most God-blessed nation on earth. And they were one-room schoolhouses and, and home schools for the most part. Think about Laura Ingalls Wilder. Remember Little House on the Prairie? Yeah. You know she turned into a, a school teacher with her little one-room schoolhouse. I actually checked out her one-room schoolhouse when I was up in South Dakota a couple of years ago. One-room schoolhouse, six or eight kids show up, you know, different grade levels. There's a lot of flexibility going on. Of course, God is still realized and recognized. They pray, they've got the Ten Commandments on the walls. Well, America became a strong nation, a moral nation, uh, a God-blessed nation. Why? Because well, we had these one-room schoolhouses and homeschools that uh, created this amazing nation. There's a few famous Americans who were homeschooled. Uh, George Washington was homeschooled by his mother. Abraham Lincoln was homeschooled. I don't believe he ever attended a public school or any kind of a, a classroom. Theodore Roosevelt was homeschooled. Thomas Edison, John Quincy Adam, uh, Thomas Jefferson. I could give you hundreds of others. This, this nation was built on, on great men and women who were homeschooled. And so I, I think if we, if we think back to what God has done through home education, chaps, I, I, think, I think we're going to see that God has done an amazing thing through home education, home discipleship. And here's the question. Could he do it again with this nation? I pray he can. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we'll have one final segment on the socialization process. Are homeschooled children less socialized when they graduate or actually more socialized? Giving you a megaphone in Washington, D.C. Dr. Chaps will be right back. By now you're enjoying our daily news program, PIJN News. And where else are you going to see a TV news anchor stop and pray with his audience after every story? We are unique and we're changing the world in three ways. Number one, we're bringing you daily news from a Christian perspective, newsmaking interviews. Number two, we are mobilizing thousands of people to pray to God to join us and change world history as it unfolds. And number three, we are sending thousands of petitions to Congress. I know you wanna partner with us and we have a new method to do that. It's by donating your loose change on a daily basis. Well, if you're like me, most people actually don't carry many coins in their pocket because we're an electronic society. We're donating uh, through credit cards or debit cards. We're making daily purchases and we don't have coins. So how can you donate your loose change? Well, we have an easy system where we've partnered with His Kingdom Funding for a secure automatic donation to round up every purchase that you make to the nearest dollar. Well, what do I mean by that? Let's say you go and you buy a cup of coffee and a bagel and the purchase is $5.75. And you swipe your credit card. Well, because you've signed up your card with our system, it'll be rounded up to $6 and that 25 cent difference 
will be donated to our ministry automatically. And you don't even have to think about it. You're rounding up to the next dollar, you're donating your spare change to us on a, on a regular basis, and you're changing the world with PIJN News. Just visit our website, PrayInJesusName.org, and click on the Loose Change icon. It'll take you through an automatic sign-up process, and at the end of the year, you will get a tax-deductible receipt of your giving for the entire year. So help us change the world today. Visit PrayInJesusName.org and partner with us to change the world. God bless you in Jesus' name. He is the intersection of church and state. Here is Dr. Chaps. Welcome back. I'm Dr. Chaps, joined for one last segment with Kevin Swanson. We're, the main criticism that we've heard for a decade or more is, oh, I don't want to homeschool my kids because then they won't be socialized. They won't have these interactions with their peers that they would get in a public school where they're surrounded by their peers. And is that a benefit or is that a drawback? Well, that's the big question, of course. What about socialization? A lot of parents, a lot of homeschool parents now will come back and say, and that's another reason why we're homeschooling. In other words, they'll turn the question on because, you know, the social environment of, of being involved with their peers and with pop culture can be counterproductive. Uh, obviously. Sometimes bullying and things play into it. Now, the big, the big question is, what is socialization? As, as it turns out, in terms of homeschoolers' ability to interact and communicate with people that are beyond their own peer group, uh, homeschoolers tend to be better. The studies have, have found that homeschoolers are better or equally socialized to their counterparts in public and, and private schools. But if you say, well, what is socialization? Is it the opportunity to be involved in drugs, illicit sexual experiences? I mean, is that it? Is that what you're talking about when, you, when you're trying to say, well, what about socialization? Or is it interaction skills, the ability to interact with kindness and honesty with others and, and eagerness perhaps to serve others as Jesus would have us serve others? So it's, again, worldviews tie in. How do you define these things? Uh, I would define socialization as the ability to interact with others um, with the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, and goodness, and faith, and so forth, um, and not just interact with people that are of our own peer group and who maintain our own interests, but those that can uh, uh, perhaps are different age groups and such. You know, you graduate from high school and you show up for your first job, say at McDonald's. Do you say, well, you know what, I only interact with my own peer group. I don't interact with Hispanic grandmas. I don't interact with uh, people who are younger than me or older than me. I have been trained. I have been socialized to only interact with my own peer group. Is that Does that work in no. the free marketplace? No. no, no, it doesn't. There's one opening for you and that is the door and please close it gently as you leave. Uh, no, no, if, if you are going to be socialized, you need to be socialized to interact with people of various races and various backgrounds and various religions and so forth and so on. And, and now, generations. And generations. Grandparents absolutely, versus and babysitting. Absolutely. Right. I found that when I graduated from my home school, I ran for student body president of a major, major West Coast university and I won. And, and I think one of the reasons I won was because I could interact with any club on campus. I interacted with the, with the minority clubs and many of them endorsed me. I had support from 
the sororities, the fraternities, although I was not a member of any of these. I interacted with the, the engineering geeks, with the athletes. I was at every club. I was able to interact with so many. And I found the other candidates were a little awkward in terms of their ability to work with different people from different cultural backgrounds. And, and I don't think they were as successful as I was when they, I ran for that office. Maybe they had been pigeonholed in their public school education yeah to click with a certain click, but That's avoid right. all those other clicks. That's right, but, but life doesn't work that way. The free market doesn't work that way. Politics doesn't work that way. So I think that homeschoolers can be better socialized. Now there are, of course, some homeschoolers, they may be raised in a very, very secluded manner in which perhaps an only child in a home in which they don't have much opportunity to share their toys in the sandbox. Or, you know, there, there may be less opportunity for socialization, but I would say the average homeschool family finds all kinds of opportunities uh, to interact, whether about, it be extracurricular activities. What about what extracurricular? Happened. If I well, homeschool my kid, then they can't be on the football and, team, can they? And that's the other thing, is that, you know what? You don't learn socialization skills when you're sitting in a math class and you're supposed to be quiet, right? You're not acting, interacting with anybody. It's usually the inner, the uh, extracurricular activities where you're involved in sports. And, so, and, and homeschoolers are increasingly involved in sports. Public schools open that up. Private schools open that up. There's way more opportunities today for homeschoolers to be involved in extracurricular activities. So they can join points. the football team. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And they do so. So I think it's the extracurricular opportunities in which ministry happens in which hospitality happens, in which we engage the marketplace, in which we get our first job. You know, these are the things, these are the points at which homeschoolers maximize the socialization experience. Another drawback, if they're in, in public schools, they're only influenced by their same age peers. But if they're homeschooled, they're influenced by people of multi-generational influence. Well, and I think that's really important, especially with, with their parents. I mean, think about it, in, in, a, in a classroom that's made up of your, 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 your siblings, older than you, younger than you, and your parents, you get a great cross-age contact. You, we have just a, a minute here, but talk about these books that you've written about Proverbs. This is something any parent, whether they're homeschooled yes. or not, uh, can bring their children and study the book of Proverbs in this family Bible study series. You have volume one, two, and three, all about the book of Proverbs. What is the most important thing a father or mother could do? Homeschool your kids? That's not the most important thing. The most important thing is teach them the word of God as you sit in the house. That's God's word, that's God's command. Teach them the word of God. This is where we get a massive family reformation and we put together family Bible study guides in the book of Proverbs, Psalms, Matthew, and Genesis where families can bring some of the most important material that they will ever, ever teach their kids in a very simple way, we'll present it in, in a family Bible study guide format with lots of questions. Uh, we provide these study guides at our website, generations.org. That's generations.org. Well, fantastic. Uh, we're not done with this series. Uh, this has been part three, but on tomorrow's program, or you can find this archived on YouTube if you go to our YouTube site or our website, PrayInJesusName.org, we're gonna to show a, a, another show tomorrow with Kevin Swanson about various books that he's written, various studies, statistical proof that homeschooling leads to better results in, in, for some children, for a lot of children than, than public school education. I'm just so grateful, Kevin, that you've been on this show and you've been able to share with your, your, your insights, your sense of humor. This is a socialized guy. This is a... <laughs> I'm Dr. Chaps and we'll be back tomorrow with more on these important 
segments. If you want prayer, call us at 866-Obey-God. Again, that's 866-O-B-E-Y-G-O-D. We'll see you next time. Today, I wanna invite you to sign an important petition to Congress to protect military chaplains, especially their right to pray publicly in Jesus' name. If you remember my story, you know that I was vindicated by Congress in 2006 after I took a principled stand for the right to pray in Jesus' name. But Congress never did pass a positive law to let chaplains pray according to their conscience. Would you sign that petition with me? Let's take action today. Dr. Chaps needs your financial support to stay on the air. Would you please send your best donation today? Please visit PrayInJesusName.org to donate online. Or you can mail a check to Pray In Jesus Name Ministries, Post Office Box 77077, Colorado Springs, Colorado 80970. You can also call us toll free right now at 866-Obey-God. That's 866-O-B-E-Y-G-O-D. Please sign up for our free emails at PrayInJesusName.org. Again, that's PrayInJesusName.org.